Good Monday afternoon. This is a football show presented by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group. Two great local and amazing sponsors here on the show. My name is Braden Gall. He is Zach Lyons. And welcome to the comment section today. Uh, there you go. Uh, Donnie, Donnie D. That's right. I- iconic intro music. That is by Moon Taxi, by the way. Shout out to our great and amazing friends, Moon Taxi. Also local musicians here in Nashville. We have a lot to discuss today. On the pod, Zach, um, a 20 to 16 loss on the road, third straight road loss, two and three for the Tennessee Titans. There's a lot to discuss about the defense. There's a lot to discuss about the front seven. I have a lot to say about the linebackers. There's a lots to there's lots to say about the secondary. There's lots to say about the usage rate of the skill weapons. Um, also, there's just a whole yeah yes it's on, it's on fire. Hey, what do you what do you have have over there? What's going on over there? Oh, I'm I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to uh, like Ace Ventura all the demons out of <laughs> of the show here, um, and out of my chest by the way. So uh, yes, my office is in fact on fire, Stony. Uh, so Moon Taxi is cool. That's right. I, I've I'm ashamed to admit that I've been to like 35 shows. So uh, they're really, really great dudes. Damn. And uh, they do lots of support local charities in this in this town. So support Moon Taxi, just like Sinker's Beverages and the Kingston Group, Stacking the Inbox, Football and Other F-Words, all the other great shows across the 440 Sports Network. Zach, I guess I'm just going to – we have a lot, lot we're going to get into from a detail standpoint. But, like, I, I just can't remember a game playing out like this for the Tennessee Titans or really for many teams at all, very few possessions, extremely long drives. I mean, like you look at the numbers and you can kind of point, to, you find one thing that you're like, Oh, that's why the Titans didn't win. Or that's why they were in this situation. Red zone offense, for example. But then you look at the defense and you go, Oh, they stopped the Colts in the red zone a lot of times as well. And then you go, but the defense wasn't good, but they were like, it's just it, one of the weirdest games. I don't know if they deserve to win. Uh, at all, and we'll get to some of the main reasons. But just now they, you know, why they didn't deserve to win because they didn't win. I mean, to well, me, that should tell you everything in in this team is that the Saints game and the Colts game, they were and are the better team. But I feel like they got caught in the one out of ten matchups where they're going to lose. Like if they played the Saints 10 times, I think the Titans are winning about like 80% of them, right? Like if they played the Colts 10 times this year, they're probably winning 80%. This happened just to be the one flute, and there are distinct people that you can blame for each loss. Yeah, there's a lot. So it's interesting. Like I think week one, you could say maybe that was just the way Ryan Tannehill's season was going to start. Like he just, it was week one, new offense, new players, pretty tough environment. Maybe it didn't matter who they played. I would argue the environment and the defense for the Saints probably had a major factor in all of that. But it just clearly his head wasn't there. He he's shaken that off. And yesterday was almost eight yards per attempt. Didn't have a turnover until basically the last play of the game. Put his team in the red zone a number of times. They moved the ball pretty well. So I'm not you know Tannehill's not really even in the the the, the conversation for people to be blamed in in all of this. I the the fir- first and foremost it is I, I don't how about this. Which part of the defense do you want to start with? <laughs> oh, well, I guess we should just get rid of Christian Fulton out of the way, just uh, in case his dad has somewhere to be and he's watching the show, you know. Well, no, he'd get kicked out. Wherever you put him, he's going to get kicked out, so. Yeah, I mean, like, he talk about a uh, a family filled with better defenders than the son on the field. Um, I mean, they are wow. just, they are out there defending every tweet out there. And uh, that's something that I wish Christian Fulton would have picked up on so he could defend some of the players instead of allowing Josh Downs, you know, 4.99 yards of separation because he continues to keep looking in the backfield, even though he has been named every week that Christian Fulton has to quit looking in the backfield. Christian Fulton has to quit looking in the backfield. Christian Fulton has to keep looking in the back, stop looking in the backfield. And uh, he keeps on doing it. So I just, I don't know if he just doesn't care, just literally can't. I don't understand what is going on with Christian Fulton, but at this point, much like Andre Dillard, he does not have to be played for this team to be somewhat competitive. I I, I guess I, I I found myself thinking that in the second half, the pass interference penalty wasn't really his fault, but it was in such a critical situation. And you're not going to get that call when you made so many mistakes throughout the course of the game. Um, at one point he got like when Zach Moss goes down, Late in the game, he picks up a, a pretty long run right before the two-minute warning, and he goes down, and Jeffrey Simmons dives in to tackle Zach Moss, and he gets hit by Jeffrey Simmons. 
And it's like even Christian Fulton is hit by his own players at some point. And so it just at one one time on that drive, I, they, they had a close up of his face. And like I was genuinely concerned for his mental state. Like he 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 looked beaten down mentally and like he didn't know what not that he didn't know what he was doing, which I think is, you know, we could say. But like it just I was like kind of like I felt bad for the guy at one point. Like it, it I, I don't know. I I think we can talk about him. I, I think the middle linebackers were as big of an issue, if not a hey, bigger issue. I hate to be right, but I told everybody the Jack Gibbons days are over because <laughs> he hit his four-game limit of having good games, and it's over, and everybody was way too quick to jump on the bandwagon of a of a um, of, of undrafted free agent, unathletic linebacker, yeah. but nobody wants to listen. They just look, oh, Jack Gibbons, what a great story. Oh, Dr. Gibbons. People love stories and nostalgia over sure. production. True. Uh, a lot of you guys in the comments are very active. So Pretty Boy Lifshit says, Will Levis should be right in the red zone. Not not on that plane. I'm um, not on that train yet. Tim Kelly needs to figure out his red zone play calling. I, I don't know. He had a couple of really nice play calls. The last one was, was a big problem. Uh, but the Derrick Henry throw, for example, was a pretty brilliant play call that should have worked. DeAndre Hopkins should have gotten his feet down. Um, Ed Henry, I think this is going to be a major topic today. Ed Henry, to me, it appears for the first time under Mike Vrabel that this team lacked focus and discipline. We'll get we'll get to that in general, and I think that's a really important point and an, and an observation, Ed. I think that I kind of agree with because Mike Vrabel's demeanor on the sideline in the fourth quarter is and and kind of throughout the whole game. It's I don't want to read too much into it, but it's unlike anything I've seen before from him. I, I just even sixteen seconds are ticking down, and he has no sense. He's like he's just like. He was very stoic. He's just like watching. Like, yeah. Like, what do we do? So we'll, we'll get to that. I, I think the problem is it, right on the 56 yard run by Zach Moss that, that ended up breaking the game open and kind of scoring the touchdown. Uh, you got to give a lot of credit to the, the Colts interior offensive line. That trio was really, really good. They, they, they were, did, they did almost all their damage in the A and B gaps. And the, the only time you ever saw, Gibbons or Al Shair make contact with the running back was like four, five, six yards downfield almost every time. Okay, well, the they were getting washed out of plays by the guard because there's no tear tart, right? Like when you don't have true, and true. and I mean when they, your they, guard they getting, is getting, they getting up, to the second level every time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If your guard is getting to the second level, which in like a second, like it wasn't basically what happened is ball snap. Quentin Nelson or whoever the other guard is, I think it's Will Freeze is the other guard. Um, yeah, are and then right and there then engaged with the linebacker quicker than I've seen yep. a Titans defense ever allow that to happen. And it's not because they were in technically bad positions. I think the guard just moved them out of the way because that's what guards are supposed to do. But they're all you're also supposed to have a game plan to prevent the guard or chip the guard or take up the guards, you know, attention attack. Yeah, <laughs> like. I mean, I know Tier Tart is really good in the run game, but this was just pathetic. And yeah. and I, I don't think the offense should be out of the hook. But if I'm placing the if I'm playing the blame game, I'm going defense, you know, a heavy 75%, maybe more in the offense for 25% or maybe less, depending on where, where I land on the defense. I, I mean, yeah. It, it, I, it, it, I know everybody's like, well, you know. People are throwing out stats comparing Marcus to Ryan Tannehill in their first four games or first five games. People are throwing out a lot of nuance because they just – and I'm with them. I've been like this. Ryan Tannehill's not the problem, even though people want to say he is or allude that he is. But the problem is it doesn't matter he's not the problem. There's nothing exciting about this team. They make watching football miserable <laughs> Every week, especially after like the, one of the most entertaining games they've ever played in the history of their franchise last week, they, they just make it all so difficult. Though, like even in their wins, everything is difficult. Yeah. And and I think the thing I see, and I, this is not about Tannehill because we'll get to the offense in a little bit. Because I agree, it's an exclusive to me. It's exclusively like if a team is going to line up with their backup quarterback and their backup running back, and they're going to run between the guards, not between the tackles, between the guards. You know how hard that is. And just physically dominate you the entire game. That that's on that that's uh, that's about you. And yes, it's about Tart, but it's about Jeffrey Simmons. It's about the linebackers. It's about the safeties not rolling up. At that that play, I watched that play, that fifty six yard play. They had a, at the time of the ball that was snapped, they had eight guys in the box because the corner was rolled up on the line of scrimmage, and they didn't touch him. They did not touch him. And so I'm with you on Gibbons. We said it on Thursday. I said, this is the biggest test for the linebackers in part because we thought 
the combination of Richardson Taylor and how well they can really stress you in space was going to be the problem. No, they didn't even have to do that. It was Gardner Minshew handing off to Zach Moss right up the middle the entire game. And again, the offensive line was great for the Colts. So you got to give them credit. The secondary is a part of this. They're not making plays when they need to. That's been the case the entire season, but that's not the reason they lost the game. And, and again, they got stops in the red zone. Colts were one of five in the red zone. One of five. And of course the Colts gave you one there at the end of the first half, but I, this is the, this is where Ed's question comes in, and it comes in the second half of the Cleveland Browns game, where we question sort of uh, heart's not the right word, but just like are you are you still in this shit all the way? <laughs> like to your point, like this team has played hard games for years. It's it's Vrabel asks them to play a certain style, and they've had to grind every win for years, and it looks like it's finally taken a toll on a front seven that just got pushed around for the first time that I can remember in a long, long time. Yeah, yesterday, you know, I thought the Browns' loss was like the worst loss, team loss in the variable area era. I think yesterday's loss is the most maddening. Like, I think I, yeah. I'm, and I'm not mad and angry. I'm just like, I am, I'm frustrated at what I am watching because I know this team can be coached better, can be, can play better. And I hate using coach better play better. That's kind of the only words you can use in, in that sentence. I just felt like this team, here's the thing. The offense showed plenty of fight. Now they, they failed and we'll talk about their failures later, but they showed life. They showed fight. This Tennessee Titans team after that 56 yard run seemed like it just gave up. Like this defense for whatever reason has shown multiple times that if things just don't go perfectly in like the first quarter, they are just going to kind of check out of the game. And I think it's 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 weird because we've never seen that, but maybe we just kind of put it off to the side last year and classified it as a weird seven-game losing streak that a lot of injuries. But maybe there is some growing unrest. Like, I feel like we're coming close. And I, I put this in an article at stackinginbox.com. I feel like we're coming close to seeing the headlines players only meeting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just for some reason I just feel like it's coming, it's coming down the pipe. You know, they're come they're to, making come this, to Jesus. Yeah, they're making this weird choice to not go on to Balt uh, to London, even though Baltimore, your opponents have already left, which is again creating your own competitive disadvantage for no fucking reason. <laughs> um it, I just I don't I'm having a hard time as the weeks go by classifying the losing streak as just a fluke because we're seeing evidence of that same team still existing in 2023. Like there's a lot. Oh, oh, okay. I see 2022. There seems like there's a lot of carryover attitude wise and it's translating on the field. And what's weird is that I don't feel like the offense is any kind of semblance of the offense that Vrabel has preached about, right? Doesn't it seem the offense is more modern? It is trying to score points. It is going through the air. That's where it's finding its most success more often than not is through the air. It's not ground or pound. And yet, it feels like everybody's kind of not seeing that, and they're just thinking it's all the same old Titans. It's just... Well, I don't know. Uh, like, Don- Donnie says, I blame the offense more because we should be able to score 24 points. And while that sentence is correct in the second half that it, they should be able to score more than 24 points. It's the NFL. Uh, I, and I, to me, the offense again, wasn't necessarily the problem. Can we talk about the red zone play calling and the red zone offense and maybe who, how they're using some players. Like, Tajay Spears, I think after the touchdown run had like two total touches in, in the entire second, most of the second half of the game. Could you use him a little bit more? They certainly used Deandre Hopkins very well. They went to Josh Wiley on a fourth down late in the game. Like, they threw the ball to Chig. They, I mean, like the offensive line didn't do its job. I, I think, even though it protected Tannehill in the passing game because they went heavy play action, they didn't exactly open up a lot of lanes. Despite the fact that Leonard and Pay didn't play for Indianapolis, which is the real concern. Well, the, and the lanes they opened, Henry just fucking missed them. Right. I mean, right, Henry right. spent most of his most right. most of his day up the ass of some offensive lineman for no fucking reason. <laughs> Let, we'll get to the we'll get we both have things to add to the <laughs> offense, uh, of course. So we'll, let's stay on the defense here because I do think, to your point about the players only, 
I, I think if, if you if you put yourself into the head and mind of a lot of those defensive players, the, the guys who've been around a while, not Alshair and Gibbons, but like Bayard didn't make a ton of plays yesterday. Amani Hooker didn't make a ton of plays. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons didn't make a ton of plays. You start, you know, you add up all the guys that have been around. Fulton was terrible. He's been around for a while. They also have been carrying this team for years, right? Like for two and a half plus, maybe three years now, not 2019, some of 2020, but like each of the last two seasons, any time they win a game, it's because of the defense. And I'm, I'm, that has to have a toll, take a toll on your mental state as a team. When you go into every football game, putting your body on the line to be as physical as possible for this defense that carries teams to know that like there's a chance the offense could screw it up. That's not even fair this year because the offense looks modernized. They're throwing on first down. They're using play action. They're using motion. They're using empty sets. They're doing all the things that you want to see. I, I just can't remember the last time a team lined up with a backup. Most, I know Gardner Minshew is not an average backup quarterback. He's played a lot of football in the last few years for a backup. And Zach Moss is a, is not your average backup running back. He's been productive most of the season in place of Jonathan Taylor. But for the most part, with a defense like that, if you line up against a backup quarterback and a backup running back, you can't just let them hit you in the face over and over and over and over and over again and do nothing about it. That That is unlike anything we've seen from a Titans defense. And there's not any fixes here, guys. Like, there's not, there's not some, like, Caleb Farley's not going to save the day like there's no, yeah. like this is not there. This is, and I think Herndon was talking about this on Twitter. Of course, like the, the trade deadline's not till the 31st of October, I believe. They sh- there's in no way, shape, or form should this team be a buyer. There's in no way. We'll we'll have more time to talk about this, but you don't go trade for a corner. You're not going and trading for a middle linebacker. Although middle line, trading for a middle linebacker might actually be very cheap, but like th- this is. They're, they're a couple of losses away here from selling pieces if they have any to sell uh, than they are from from buying stuff. So I, I don't know what what the solution is here on the defense other than to rally the troops, circle the wagons, players only meeting, blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't know what I have no answers because you can't get punked by the Colts offensive line and Zach Moss and Gardner Minshew and have much to say about it afterwards. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's been it's been terrible. Um as far as what the defense has, has shown, because the defense is supposed to be the linchpin of this whole team. And that's what everybody expected. The top unit was always going to be the defense. And everybody's like, well, the offense, we don't know what the offense is going to be. Not sure if the offense is going to be any good. And the offense has shown that it can be good. And the defense has shown it can be really, really bad. And it dates back to even week one. I mean, for all the talk about Ryan Tannehill, what was the other thing that we talked about was how the run defense got gashed by Jamal Williams at the worst possible time and how Rashid Shahid blew right past Christian Fulton. And what <laughs> sounds, sounds familiar. Sounds yeah, familiar. What are we talking about four weeks later? I mean, we're yeah, talking about the yeah. same thing and we talk about the same thing in every loss. I mean, you got Pierre strong going crazy and, and I say crazy. He got six carries, but he got really yards per attempt and uh, critical first downs for the Browns that kept the defense on there. And it's Pierre fucking strong. I mean, it's not anybody yeah. crazy. Mixon yeah. was eating up chunk yardage. You you can come out and say, well, they haven't allowed a hundred yards rushing or a hundred yards to a team and blah, 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 all these stats. But it's because teams kind of abandon the run at some point and start going to passing because they know the Christian Fulton is. And then yesterday the Colts won how the Titans want to win. Yeah. They bullied the opposing team at the trenches and they stuck with the run game. And even if you take away the 56 yard run, it's he still got like 5.9 yards per a touch and all this stuff. And he still had a good day, even without that big long run. Yeah. So bad, bad angles, it, bad tackling. It was everything. I mean, yeah, it, it was, it was a, everything. They were hapless. Like, now, and, I, uh, and I meant to change the, the, uh, oh. the thing here, but the hapless tight oh, to the Colts. You could say hapless, effortless, um, meaningless yeah. it felt yeah. like i mean lifeless it was I do just all kinds it, of left i do find it interesting that so many of you guys in the comments are still kind of asking about the offense and again we'll, we'll get to that but it because again I, I think when you look at the way that they ran the football 13 carries 43 yards for derrick henry 7 for 34 for spears but 19 of that came on one so that was 20 carries for 77 yards but with like 20 of that coming on one carry basically 57 yards on 19 carries that's not exactly doing the job either on the offensive side of the ball. 
they didn't run the ball well. And again, that's without their best linebacker and their best pass rusher in the game for the majority of the, for the entire game. So I, I, I do want to get to the offense, but again, I, I, there's no fixes from the depth at middle linebacker, which we talked about. I, we, there's no fixes for the cornerback situation. We did, they did go sign some pass rusher today. <laughs> some, some guy, they went and got some defensive lineman, yeah, um, yeah. but they got, they got punked man. And I assume, and this is, this speaks to the way this team always has functioned under Vrabel, just like they did after the worst loss in franchise history or Vrabel history. They come back and they play very well against the Bengals. I expect them to come back and play pretty well against the Ravens. And so this, this roller coaster we're on might just, well, it be is the, technically a home game. The, this is the way that people need to get used to this team. And I, I have a, I have a theory. I'm going to float to you on the offensive side of the ball, but I think this is, this is the, the ride you're on this year, guys. Like <laughs> I had them at eight and nine. You might've had them at nine and eight. Maybe they win the division. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're going to be good one day and maybe they're going to be bad the next, but this is the roller coaster we bought tickets for. And, and this is, this is what they're going to do. Um, let me tell you guys about sinkers and Kingston group first. Let's lighten the mood a bit before we talk offense because the game was terrible, but our sponsors are great. Uh, sinkers, of course, number one liquor store in the entire city last year, Zach, the defending champs as voted on by you, the na- according to the national scene, uh, you can search Uber eats, and if you need a beverage, <laughs> which I'm assuming most of you do after watching the game, you can just search Uber Eats, Sinker's Beverages right there, and they'll have the booze, whatever you want, delivered directly to your house. They'll drive so you can drink. Great bourbon selection. Sign up for the in-crowd. Uh, absolutely wonderful helping staff there. They'll pick out everything you need if you need some help with wine like I do. I'm not good with picking out the wines because I don't know anything about tannins, you know, and whatever else happens in the glass when you put the wine in there, I don't know. I know a lot about bourbon. They know a lot about bourbon. They got great tequila selection, which I'm kind of starting to come around on with tequila. I'm I'm starting to, to to explore tequila, which is a dangerous hobby to have. But Sinker's Beverages has a great uh, selection there and a great selection of all kinds of uh, cool, frosty beverages. Great walk-in freezer there with all kinds of beers. Uh, and, and the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. You guys know the drill. Uh, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Just give them a call. Talk to them about design. Talk to them about renovations. Talk to them about buying or selling. A lot of different things they can help you with with your house. They don't expect you to use them for everything, but just keep that name up there in the noggin, the Kingston Group. And uh, if you need anything with your house, just make sure you remember that name and talk to them, have a conversation. So my theory on the offense is I think they have some things in place that I really, really like. I Like there's Mike Vrabel, of course, raving about Tajay Spears. I like Spears. I think they should have used him more. I like the scheme. I think Tim Kelly's doing a pretty good job. Uh, I think Peter Skaronsky back in the lineup at left guard. I think he's going to be a pretty good player for this franchise for a long time. I'd love to see Traylon Burks back out on the field, but I, I think they've got some nice things to work with. My theory is that Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry have topped out. Mm-hmm. Like they, this is Derrick Henry because of age and because of carries and because of workload and Tannehill beca- a little bit because of age. But also, I just don't think he's suited to a. I think he has a ceiling, and his when ceiling, that ceiling limits the ceiling of the Tennessee Titans. Yes, and when they are good, and when things are going well, and they have the right matchups, and the and Tim Kelly's in rhythm, and like I like even yesterday, two hundred almost two hundred seventy yards, a lot of drives down the field for Ryan Tannehill. He he was force feeding DeAndre Hopkins, who clearly has still got it. Like, there's a lot to like about the offense. They just they just don't have a high upside ceiling. And the way that Vrabel is going to kind of always be a little bit conservative and maybe lean a little bit more traditional in the style of game, I, I just think they're limited. And it's I don't think it's anybody's like fault per se, but I think Henry's aging out of the game. At some point, it's going to happen. I think Tannehill's age, but more importantly, I just don't think Tannehill has ever had the skill set to be a top flight modernized NFL quarterback. Frankly, most quarterbacks don't have that skill, but he he plays great within the confine of the offense. And if it's open, he can find the guy. Yeah. It's creating plays out of structure. That is the big part of Ryan Tannehill's, I guess you could say negatives uh, to me is like, that's the first thing he doesn't create plays out of structure. Um, Yeah. I want to, I want to venture into the red zone eventually, but I want to talk about, where I'm at with Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill is a good quarterback. He is a 60%, you know, 20% is elite, 60% 
can win you games and 20% just suck. He's firmly in the 60%. The the problem is your your surroundings are leaving you behind. And he can only do so much. And when you are in a league that right now, if you want to be considered top flight week in and week out, you have to have your quarterback of the future. And this dip in the toe in the water, half in, half out, with Ryan Tannehill this offseason, with their plans for the future of the quarterback, is coming back to bite them in the ass. And the problem is that unless the Titans are in a position where they are firmly and concretely, like definitively out of the playoffs, they're not going to move away from Ryan Tannehill barring an injury. Yeah. Yeah. And that is that is where you're at, which hurts the team in a different way because, yes, you can find out certain things about your quarterback's progression behind the scenes. You don't necessarily have to have games. But if you can find them in in-game situations, sometimes people study better than they play or they test, and some people test better than they study. So you're not, not being able to find out because you have handcuffed yourself to a middling average quarterback which we have been proponents, trade them all offseason. Like, this is not new (laughs) that that they should have traded them. But because they have not done that and have taken this half-in, half-out mentality, it has blown up in their face, and it's probably going to do more harm than good later on down the road. Tannehill's not the issue outside of the Saints game. You can put the Saints game squarely on him. That is that. The Cleveland game is an epic disaster of all on all levels, and it's mainly and he was mainly one of the better spots of the day, which is not saying much. No, but he was one of the better spots of the day. The issues that I have, where I feel like the his ceiling limits, but when you get into the red zone. And they got into the red zone a lot because of Ryan Tanhill and DeAndre Hopkins connection. He has a 102.8 passer rating inside the red zone. He has 17 attempts in the red zone. Is that okay? just this is that just this year? That is this year. This year. Yeah. I'm not including anything else. Just okay. this year. So that that tells you right there. This year, 17 attempts, 102.8 passer rating. The problem is, is that they are giving the ball to Derrick Henry in the red zone and turning into a completely different offense where Derrick Henry has 11 attempts for 1.09 yards per attempt. He has gone for 12 yards. And only, and now you may say, but Zach, he probably got the go, a lot of goal line carries inside the five, two out of the 11. Yeah. So they're, when they're outside when they're in between the 10 and 19 yard line, he's he's got nine attempts, no, six attempts for 0.33 yards per attempt. That's that's damaging. And the the other issue is is that inside the red zone, Tajay Spears got has gotten one carry, and that one carry went for a touchdown. And it, listen, and it's mainly because Derrick Henry was on the field, but that means you have to get creative with Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry is almost better used at this point in his career from because he cannot create plays out of structure, kind of like Tannehill right now. Maybe well, unless, a distraction. Unless he's a quarterback, in which case he's been yeah. pretty good in the red zone. Uh, Derrick Henry. Uh, no, but to your point, the, the entire, I think your entire points are all encompassed into the Tajay Spears touchdown. Mm-hmm. Because not only was it giving Spears the ball, it was also creative play call and design at the right time. And it was getting a dynamic weapon out in space. It was doing something that like it was all different than what you normally see. And I think that that one play is sort of all, all these issues wrapped into one. And like when they like even two weeks ago, they scheme Nick Westbrook Akine open on a creative play to come in into the backfield and get open. And they and Tannehill makes a good throw. And because that was the design of the play. and and. Ed says this Tannehill's not the problem, but he's also not the answer. Yeah, and, and absolutely. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I think that's a hundred percent correct. I do think you and I can have a, a a longer conversation about if it does hurt the team as much as you're you're saying long term. If it's going to do damage, I think that's an interesting conversation we can have because I remember standing on the the practice field on the very first day of practice of OTAs. I remember talking to somebody in the inside the team, 
And we were kind of like all looking at Will Levis for the first time, right? It was all of our chances to actually see him on a practice field with like a uniform on and helmet and pads and stuff. And we're all like, man, we're all talking about Will Levis. And I kind of was just chatting with somebody that works for the Titans. I just said, look, you know, this is a pretty decent luxury to compete for a division championship while bringing along your guy and and rebuild on the fly is sort of their, their terminology, which, which is fine. That that's fine. Um, I, I don't think it hurts them to, to try to make the playoffs quote unquote with Ryan Tannehill as much in the future. I don't know if that really like damages the franchise. Well, I feel like, I feel like if what I mean by that is like, if you don't, if you wait to play Will Levis next year and you think that he's something that he's not because you saw him good in practice. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's kind of like, Oh, that's not very good. <laughs> well then, but then here's the, but then here's the thing. I still think you can work him in two games. It doesn't have to be blowout garbage time. Like you can get him. If you think he's really that close to being your starter day one next year, and you know, you're moving on from Tannehill, which you and I have kind of largely believed is the case for a long time. You don't have to wait until garbage time or blowouts or an injury. You can just say, look, on the, on the, the, you know, hey, it's a close game, but on the third series of XYZ game, we're having some success. Maybe it's against a, a, a poor defense, right? Pick your spots. But you can say, like, hey, on the fourth possession, Will Levis is going to start. Now, that would have been like a third quarter of this past game because there's only like eight total possessions in the first half between both teams. 16 play drive, 10 play drive, 10 play drive, 12 play drive. Just, I've never seen anything like it. But you could get these guys in. You can you can work them in, and you could have the quarterback playing. So I I do believe it is a luxury to have Ryan Tannehill compete for a division championship, which I still think they can do, uh, and and still bring Levis along behind the scenes, and then on the field a little bit more. I think you can still do all of that, and it doesn't set your franchise back, you know, three years or whatever. I, I think it's more about can Rand Carthon find playmakers. <laughs> in the off season. Can he plug holes on the, in the secondary? Can he finish the offensive line rebuild? Like I, I think there's much bigger things than trying to figure out what to do with the quarterback. Does that make sense? Like I, he's kind of made know. his bed. He's kind of made his bed with the quarterback situation at this point. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's the point is that that decision kind of like the AJB trade kind of like picking up, you know, Isaiah Wilson and drafting him, then turning around, drafting everything all, the tight Tennessee Titans seem to have choices because because of how they built their team and their philosophy of winning. These choices that can have long term ramifications or ripple effects, right? Okay, the like the the Patrick Mahomes let uh, the, or the Chiefs let uh, Tyree Kill go. They let a couple of their their left tackle go, and they picked up Orlando Brown. Then they put out a bunch of scrubs. Now Orlando Brown's this year, but all this or sorry, Juwan James. All this to say that those ripple effects don't necessarily affect that team from putting competent product on the field week in and week out. They may not look like the unbeatable Chiefs every, right. but they still won a Super Bowl without Tyreek Hill when everybody thought there was crazy. Ripple effects for the Tennessee Titans tend to have staying power, and they have to learn how to they have to learn to control their destiny a little bit better than what they have. Let, let, let me float a, a, a quick theory because I was watching a lot of games yesterday and <clears throat> and this kind of goes to Tannehill and the offense and Tim Kelly and the weapons and everything else. Like, I'm going to go Jared Goff, Matt Stafford, and Kirk Cousins. I think all solid to above average, but like not elite quarterbacks, right? Um, probably in the same ballpark as Ryan Tannehill. Some of you probably think Ryan Tannehill's better than those guys. Some of you might think Ryan Tannehill's worse than those guys. I, I, for a long time, I would have said Ryan Tannehill is better than Jared Goff. Um, I think Stafford and Cousins are better than Ryan Tannehill. I just think they have more ability. But what they those offenses and what those three teams have clearly done better than the Tennessee Titans is put people around the quarterback. The weaponry for the Vikings, the weaponry for the certainly the Rams, and and they and they didn't they weren't all first round picks. Kyron Williams, Cooper Cup, Puka Nukau. Why can't I? Nakua. Nakua. Why can't I ever say his name right? He's on my fantasy team too. Tutu Atwell, who's not a great player, but like provides. Has suddenly some value. turned into something. I mean, like, like Van Jefferson doesn't even exist on the Rams, no, and everybody's no, talking about Van no. Jefferson, right? But like you go to the Vikings, of course, and you look at all the pieces, like they they can they put Dalvin Cook around him for a while, and then they're like, nah, forget you. We'll go with Madison. And then we got Jefferson, and we got uh now they got Jordan Addison, and they like they they found guys to 
to put into the scheme. They modernize their scheme, and then their slightly better than average quarterback has done pretty well. Now, to be fair, the Rams' defense, at least before this season and last season, was very, very good. Uh, I think if you if you look at the, the the Lions currently as they're constructed, I that was my pick to win the division. I think they're very good on defense. Um, and Aiden Hutchison is just a maniac, and, and a and a very similar head coach to Mike Vrabel, and a, the, and a very similar creative offensive coordinator who decided to come back instead of getting a head coaching job, which I which right now everybody and their mother is going to be falling all over themselves to get uh, Ben Johnson over at the Lions and probably pay him even more money because he is doing insane things every week. He did a direct snap to the running back while Jared Goff was under center. That's awesome. Have you ever heard That's of awesome. that? That's like, awesome. It's ridiculous. Now, to be fair, their offensive line is fucking sick, so let's just right. be, be honest but, about and, that. And they built that over over time. Over time, yeah. Uh, and and I'll, I'll, I want to say this about the Vikings. The Bill Barnwell put out a quote on ESPN this morning about the Vikings, and I feel like there have been some teams, and the Vikings is one of them, where you could just, like, mad lib it, and you could put the Titans in for the team that they're talking about. So... On the Vikings, it feels like they're stuck in the same game every week where their style of play and limitations lead them to some to the same frustrating results. That, to me, is just yep. every yep. just like the Tennessee Titans. And at this point, that's what we're going to get. It's frustrating results. I mean, Ed is right. Even I came into the year with low expectations, and Ed says the same thing. So he's not angry, but he's frustrated with the organization's hubris is sticking with the old guard. Mortgage future picks for two QBs we haven't seen. Okay, okay, hang on. You didn't mortgage anything with a third-round pick. That's well, not, I mean, he count. traded other picks where – here's my thing. is I, my, my problem has always been with how they choose to spend the picks after. Like, it's not – I don't necessarily care that they traded up for Malik Willis, but at the same time – I have to ask you if the idea has been since 2021 or 2020, whenever this quote came about, we have to be better around Ryan Tannehill and they have yet to be better around Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. Why should I have any faith that they're going to be better around Will Levis or better around Malik Willis? Now, listen, I'm not completely giving up on Rand, and I'm blaming Rand Carthon for anything. He's got dealt a tough hand. When you look at the 2020, 2021, 2022 draft classes that are either here or not here, <laughs> It's it's not good, sure. and he's got a long way to go, and he was always going to have a long way to go. But the point I always thought about this is that you may have a long way to go, and you may win some games, and you may make it into the playoffs, but it's utterly meaningless until you move away from Ryan Tanhill, Derrick Henry, and some of these other players. You have clung to players that do not help your team in the long run. They are past their prime. Now, I, I want to be clear about this because it has been a ro I mean, just for you and I, it's been a roller coaster for me to get in here and do the show every Monday uh, brought to you by Sinker's Beverages and the Kingston Group. But I do think that's some of the nature of the NFL. We overreact and go crazy after every win and, and every loss. And it does feel like now we're starting to settle into that. This is going to be a little bit more volatile week to week than we expected. But I do think this team can I, like I still think if they lose against Baltimore, they're two and four, which is what I said they were going to be in the summer. If they had won that game yesterday and you know gotten one fourth and one, they might be three and two and number first place in the division and ahead of schedule. So like the, all is not lost here. Mm -hmm. And Pretty Boy says there's no point. Pretty Boy Lipschitz says there's no point in going seven and ten with Ryan Tannehill. My question is, what does that give you as a fan? Does that mean you're seven and nine going into the last game of the regular season with a chance to win the division? Because then I would say there's a that's the whole like sure I'm, I'm okay with that. I don't. To our conversation last year at the end of the season, I think picking 14th and picking 6th, I think you can win championships either way. I don't think it changes the direction of your franchise. And mortgaging the future is going up to number 3 to get C.J. Stroud. That's mortgaging the future. Tr trading up a couple spots to get Will Levis in the second round on the second day and trading up a couple spots to get Malik Willis, those are risks and maybe they're failures. But they're not, it's not, quote-unquote, mortgaging the future for, for one guy to put, put your franchise around. I, I think Rand Carthon, you can look at every one of his draft picks last year and his free agents, and you could say half of them were okay and half of them were meh. There hasn't been an elite hit. I think Skaronsky's going to be great. I think he's going to be great long-term. Sean Murphy Bunting has been solid. Daniel Brunskill's been solid. 
Arden Key's been solid, but I, I think we saw some limitations with Aziz Alshair uh, physically, and we saw Andre. We know Andre Dillard's limitations, so I, I think the book on Rand is still way, way, way out. Um, but I think there's a point to going if you're seven and seven with you know three games to go. That that's competing for a playoff spot in a division championship, maybe unless one of these, unless Jacksonville somehow runs away with this thing, which I don't think is going to happen. No, I, because okay. if you if you I mean the Jacksonville that game yesterday, obviously the Bills were in a competitive disadvantage by you know injuries. Jacksonville being able to be there. They got they suffered so many injuries and had so many calls not go their way. Like it took everything for the Jaguars to win that game or for really the bills. to lose, They were, it took a lot and the Jaguars looked good, but they also looked good against a team that lost a bunch of people. I mean, you're throwing a Kyrie Elam on Calvin Ridley. (laughs) You better look good. Dude, that dude was why that was great. They were really, really good on third down, for example, like, like, like the the way the the bills could not get off the field on third downs. Sounds familiar. Titans fans, like the Colts were really good on third down on Sunday. And so we, there's lots of different ways to look at this. I, I just think there is still absolutely, like if there's no point to going in seven ten with Tannehill, then I don't think there's a point in being a fan at this point. Like, I, if you think you've got a chance to compete for a division, and and I would say they still absolutely clearly do with the schedule lightening up, with a bye week coming, hopefully with Traylon Burks coming back healthy, with younger players developing. I I think there's plenty of we've seen this team when they're good they can beat anybody, and when they're bad they can be really really bad. That's life in the NFL. I, I think there's still absolutely a point to writing this all out, seeing what Tannehill and Henry can do, see what Tim Kelly can do with them, and then move on and fight the battle, cross the bridge when you get there next next offseason, which is going to be a huge one for Rand Carthon to define his tenure as the GM. But, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think, I think I've seen enough from the pieces that they've got to say that they're, they're capable of winning the division. And if you're capable of winning the division, then – you got to fucking write it out. Like I don't. I don't know. I, yeah, that, that's kind of how I. You can't quit I, after I mean, five games. Like, yeah, there's know. to me, it's like okay, they're two and three right now. They were three and two in 2021. Okay, so if they're three and three, and they were four and two after six weeks, let's say they win next week, it's just a one game difference from where they were in 2021. And in 2021, they looked just as miserable in their losses as they looked as miserable in these losses. The difference is in their wins, they've scored more points, but they also played less stellar defenses in 2021, and they still had A.J. Brown. Uh, but the, I mean, look, they know, beat the Bengals and the Chargers, two teams that everyone picked to make the playoffs, and they did right? it. With, like, I mean, and they did like, it looking very good. So. I understand the the idea that okay, making it into the playoffs and losing the playoffs, it's 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 nothing big. But as a taking off the obj- objectivity of it all, as a fan. I do not want to watch terrible football week in and week out. <laughs> and because if it's terrible football, like the football we've seen play, I don't know how long till they're out of the playoff contention and playoff race Yeah, because the Jaguars are not that good. The Texans have their issues. Uh, and then so do the Colts who are, it looks like they may be without Anthony Richardson for four, four games. And now listen, that may or, not or matter yeah. or more. So, it, there's no telling what it's going to take. Like, and if Ryan Tannehill is like what he has been and they're losing games, he's still going to play. So it's like, if Ryan Tannehill is going to play, I want them to win. Well, he, he, you know what a, I'm saying? If he, yeah, yeah, no, I, if, I, to, I, I totally agree. Ed says, uh, but this year doesn't matter. We've all seen this movie before yeah, and, and we know how it ends. I, I understand that sentiment and I get it. Z Dean says three and three is the outcome. Most people expected only differences are the teams that they won and lost to. I don't disagree with that either. But, but again, here's here's what I would say. It, to your point about as the season unfolds, if the Tennessee Titans get to a place where they're like, I don't know what the number would have to be, but let's say four games under 500. Whatever that, whether it's, you know, two and six or three and seven or whatever it is. And the team winning the division, let's call it Jacksonville for now, is has a winning record. Even if it's just a game, if they are five games back, of the of first place, four games back of first place, whatever that number looks like. If we then want to start having conversations about, yeah. I'm tired of seeing this movie and I want to see a different ending. That is when you can start to have the conversation about, all right, well maybe Tajay Spears and Will Levis should be your starting backfield. Like it's we can start like having that players, conversation later. You know, there are players who are given their all week in and week out. And there, there is that element to it that like to say that it's, 
to say that like I just want them to lose and just find out what they have. I mean, you're kind of like leaving out the fact that, you know, what is that going to say to Jeffrey Simmons? What does that say yeah. to, uh, even if you don't think Derrick Henry is good, like I do, you still want some success for Derrick Henry, right? Like, sure. I mean, sure. it's just, it, it's a, it's a delicate balance to, to want something, but to understand that, like, because I am, I am with the majority of people in the fact that I do think this is a waste of year. I've thought about that the whole time. And this is why I wanted Ryan Tannehill to get traded. I want Derrick Henry to get traded. I wanted them to go up and get Anthony Richardson or even CJ Stroud. Go up and get your guy, whoever that may be, and let them play now. And they turn, did. turn the page. Yeah. And that's where we're at. And and the problem is that's where you're going to be at all season long for the most part, unless things really go off the rails. And then when things go off the rails, things tend to get a little bit worse than just the benching of a quarterback. Maybe you don't care that they lose Mike Vrabel, but there's a good chance that Mike Vrabel could get fired if things go terribly off the rails like everybody wants it to. There's a good chance that Will Levis sucks and you're in an even worse position <laughs> than you were because now you're going to have to spend a third pick on a in a row on a quarterback maybe that turns out to be drake may and it's really good for you maybe that's it, i don't know but you don't is it, weird, is it weird that i don't even count malik willis as like a drafted quarterback anybody in the third round or later like i almost don't count yeah, it i mean that. like they it's, didn't it's a it's a it, you're throwing a dart you're trying to hope that you hit pater because the risk is worth the reward yeah or, or vice versa the reward is worth the risk i i, I to me that is not a factor in like the future decision making, the Levis thing is different. You traded up to thirty third pick to get a guy that you thought graded out as a top fifteen player. Like that, that, that is a little bit different. So, you and know, a different maybe, guy maybe made the, the decision. Maybe the tank thing works out for you, but there are plenty, and it's not really tanking. It's just that you guys, uh, the Tennessee Titans, just can't fucking win games. I don't think it's <laughs> on purpose. Uh, but maybe it works out. But like to me. The, it could it could work out, but the greater chances is that you end up firing Mike Vrabel. You end up getting some wonder kid that doesn't work out or isn't really good. Yeah. You don't have a quarterback, and then you draft a quarterback, and they can't develop that quarterback, and you're back in a big, long rotation of just having really, really awful teams to watch. It's it's it's. I mean, you look at the Bengals between Andy Dalton and Joe Burrow. That was a little bit. It wasn't long, but that was long enough to where you're just like, God dang, it's pitiful. Now, listen, yeah. right now, it's still pitiful kind of for the Bengals right now because they have a poor offensive line and and they're they're making weird moves as well. And their oh. defense isn't that great. Like, it's just it's just always to be it's always the grass is always greener on the other yeah. side is what everybody thinks. But I don't I don't know. I, I have a hard time right now whether they win the playoffs or don't make the playoffs, seeing this this style of play or changing very much or this 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 um well but here's what's crazy the difficulty the difficulty to of degree to which they play football yeah. i don't see that thing <laughs> yes. the, the, the weekly <laughs> Maybe that's struggle. a better way yeah the weekly struggle to finish the 60 minutes um yeah. no i because I, I think number one i think anything that a fan feels right now in terms of projection of the season, I think is warranted and 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 I understand. If somebody says, man, and a lot of you guys in the comments are saying this, if a lot of you guys are like, man, I, I've seen the movie before, I don't understand, I don't like it, I'm tired of watching it, I let's let's be sellers as soon as we've lost a few games, let's hope that keeps Mike Vrabel around and we move on from Tannehill, et cetera, et cetera, try to get draft picks, build for next year. Like, I get that emotion, I get that feeling, and I know why people say it. I also understand someone saying, look, we're five games in. We've got we've got 12 more to go in a winnable division with a veteran quarterback and a Hall of Fame running back. Like, let's go at it, guys. Let's 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 make a run at this, because I think there is enough from the offense with Tim Kelly. This I can't believe I'm saying this after our conversation when they hired Tim Kelly, that like the thing that gives me the most hope about the team is Tim Kelly. Like it is Tim Kelly mixed with. Chig and Spears and Kyle and a healthy Burks and DeAndre Hopkins, who's a legitimate bona fide receiver. Like they have things to use and a guy who apparently knows how to use them. That should give people excitement because it's not a thing we've seen before from this organization, at least not since like that 2019 magical mystical. Yeah. That, you know, Art, fairy dust, the Art Smith years, the fairy dust year. And so like I get everyone's emotion in all of this. 
Um, I don't think you got a lot of pieces on this team that you're going to trade at the deadline to recoup first, second, third round picks. No, I, might, I don't. Let me say something. I don't. You think might get that, some fourths and some fifths, but that's about it. Right, right. Like uh, PK put out that Christian Fulton has no trade value, and I vehemently disagree because just 24 hours earlier, you saw uh, Chase Claypool get traded. Chase Claypool, yeah. who is a worse wide receiver than Christian Fulton, is a defensive back. And then Ooh. listen, yeah, that's yeah. so that's that's mean spirited, Zach. Well, I mean, he is worse. I, mean, <laughs> I, like I know, I know. but like, sure, family. it's a six. You upgraded your seventh round pick to a sixth round pick. Okay, sure. Maybe that means yeah. nothing to you, but the Titans would have to be willing to take a bath on some of these on some of these trades, but and get mediocre returns. But sometimes mediocre mediocre returns can turn into different things. So I just like I feel like there are players that have value, but right now not the value they see. I don't know if you saw it. I retweeted it because it was hilarious. I don't know where it ended up. Uh, maybe I could find the the poll while we're talking. But it's Turf Show Times, which is the Music City Miracle version of the LA Rams. So Music City Miracles uh, for SB Nation. This is Turf Show for uh, Turf Show Times for SB Nation. They put out a poll: Should the Rams trade for Derrick Henry? Thirty-five <laughs> percent said yes. Other fan bases already know that Derrick Henry should not be traded for. 65% out of 1,600 people voted no. Kyron Williams is okay. Their fan base does not want Derrick Henry, and I would guess that it would take maybe some fan bases to maybe if I don't know what fan base that would have 1,500 people that would vote yes on the majority besides Tennessee Titans, and look where it's gotten Um, so I, so Stoney says this, Hey, listen, we like Tim Kelly. Imagine a quarterback that can create when the play breaks down in this system. And I would, I would put, there's two big, two big things and be able to orchestrate the offense before the snap. Like the, the quarterback has to be able to get out of the play as well. And we don't fully know how many times he does or does not do that. I, I would, I would argue that I don't think he does it enough. I thought that last year. Here's the thing, and I'm going to use my my. I rarely do this on the show, but I want to include my Packers fandom in this conversation because I I want you to know that I'm with you on this Titans fans, because my dad and brother and cousins and everybody like they're all worked up about Jordan Love. Jordan Love is you know putting up big numbers. They're winning games. He's made the great comeback against the Saints. Just hasn't been very efficient. My question, my issue with Jordan Love, and it is four games into his career. So let's just you know starting career, I should say. It's like. 48 months into his career, but like, you know what I mean? My, my dad and I were on the phone and he was asking me a question about, you know, how he looked great on the goal line on that, that, that quarterbacks, that run where he, you know, he got into the end zone, da, 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 da. And I go, that was inside the confines of the offense. My question about Jordan love and what I don't like about watching Jordan love through granted four games is that he is great when the play unfolds the way it's supposed to. And he can see it, and he can execute it, and his arm's good enough to get it to where it needs to be. But when the play breaks down, I am used to watching the greatest pre-snap quarterback maybe of all time other than Tom Brady and one of the greatest improv quarterbacks of all time in the history of the sport, Aaron Rodgers. So I'm spoiled. But Jordan Love doesn't do any of that shit. He, he doesn't yet. And again, he's young. Tannehill is Tannehill. <laughs> he is established. Right. But I said that to my dad, and he was like, right, what do you mean? And I go, when the... When when the when the angle route on the running back is there, he hits him. But when he's covered, you got to make something happen. And the great quarterbacks can play off schedule. They can play. They can change the play. They can do little things at the line. They can make an arm slot adjustment. They can tweak this. They can tweak a delivery. And I just haven't seen that from Tannehill ever. And I haven't seen it from Jordan Love. And so I don't. It, again, it's not a. It doesn't mean you're terrible. It doesn't mean you're going to be a bad quarterback. But it means you're probably not going to be elite. You're not in the twenty percent, and yeah. and right now, I mean, it's still just to me, it's just Patrick Mahomes and everybody else. Like as far as Joe, the Joe elite, Burrow, elite, I, I don't know. Good. He's he's, he's having good. a real hard, and maybe it's just the injury, but he's having a real hard time. Stuff. I I don't. I, I'm not. He looked he looked pretty damn good yesterday. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, it's against the Cardinals, so I know everybody I, I, started I agree. Like, believing in the Cardinals and stuff. But I agree. Yeah. I, no, I you're you're absolutely right. But the offensive line and the injury. Uh, you know, he got beat all to hell against he, the Titans. He's probably I give him elite. I'm probably just being down on Joe Burrow just because I don't like Joe Burrow. But 
Um, I, think, I think Justin Herbert's pretty good. Oh, ironically, two guys the Titans have beaten. Yeah, Herbert's year. not – no, he's not near elite yet. He's going to have to put together winning games, like yeah. clutch yeah. performances. And that's the difference between, I think, Patrick Mahomes and everybody else. Is like Patrick Mahomes could be down – listen, when the Tennessee Titans were down yesterday and they had, what, a minute left or whatever, I was like, well – this game's over. Right, right. Because, and, like, and like, and like, even the no broadcast, hopes, right? Even you the know. broadcast said it. They were like, well, they can't do play action on this drive, so they're probably not going to do anything. <laughs> like, yeah. they were so good in play action yesterday to kind of wrap up our Titans therapy session here. They were so good in play action, which is, a, again, should be something you can go, look, this is something we can do. This is the modernization of the offense. Play action on first down. They used it extraordinarily well to DeAndre Hopkins yesterday with Ryan Tannehill. I think all of his production came on play action, basically. It was great, but as soon as they got into the one minute and ten second offense, like there was nothing there. The offensive line wasn't as good. The receivers weren't as good. The quarterback wasn't as good. The system didn't work. And it does take a special quarterback to run two minute drills. Like that's it. Like it just takes a guy that knows how to do it. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't. I don't know what else we accomplished today. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just we're just analyzing what the Titans did yesterday and where they're at and. Talking about what their future may hold. I mean, I, there's I, there's no there's just a lot of questions with no answers, and that's just how the Tennessee Titans are going to be until they string to they can show that they can string together wins. Yep. And they haven't been able to string together wins and back to back performances in a very very long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can, can like even out the ebbs and the flows. The roller coaster needs to come to a kind of a glide. And if you can do that um, and find a little balance between your offense and defense from week to week, I, again, I think you can absolutely win the division. I, I I think it's too early for people to be talking about selling all, everybody at the deadline. And like Vrabel has shown you the ability to bounce back. This is another one of those challenges. I, you know, and listen, it, so. and it, and you know, don't forget 2019 when they went to the AFC Championship game, they were two and four. And they came back and they went there. I mean, like, it happens with this team all the time. You know, things feel a little bit more hopeless, and I get it. I I fully understand the fans that are thinking this way because there is no quarterback behind Ryan Tannehill that is as good or as experienced as Ryan Tannehill was when he came in for Marcus. Uh, This defense is very up and down, but the defense has been up and down the entire time under Vrabel. Uh, the, and it's probably one of the more talented defenses, to be honest with you. I will also look at, you know, Tajay Spears and Dondre Hopkins. And, you know, I, I see stuff that can be put together where they can string wins with Tim yeah. similar to 2019 and 2020, but it's just going to look a little different, but they have to find their footing and footing fast. And I don't know if a quarterback change fixes anything. I kind of do feel like the Titans would still be sitting at two and uh, two and three right now, even with Malik Willis and with Will Levis, just because I think they would have won a different game and would have lost a different game here and here. But I don't think that the long term pers- prospects are the same as with Ryan Daniels. So, well, well, it just depends. And and look at the schedule coming up. You you scare. Look at you. You don't think Baltimore fans are having the exact same conversation today? Yeah, they the barely. Titans they didn't even are. beat the Steelers yesterday. And they looked horrendous. They looked terrible. And the Steelers, by the way, didn't look any better. Yeah, they're <laughs> like, terrible too. The defenses both look solid, but like they they they. And by the way, they're both on the schedule coming up. Atlanta needed a last second field goal at home to beat Houston. They're not, they've got a quarterback who's ah, okay, fine. They've got some nice pieces, but like the, the schedule's there. So if look, if they're if they're two and eight, I'm going to have a different thing to say on the show and we can have a different conversation. But you all need to have a different conversation if they're like four and three. Yeah, because if they are, then we're talking about a different team. And so we're not Mm -hmm. there yet, guys. We're just not there yet. There's some stuff to like. There's some I don't stuff think to you're going to really see any kind of sweeping changes this week unless they decide to go ahead and put in NPF, which they made him inactive last week and put him in. I don't know where they're going to put him in at, but they either one's probably an upgrade at this point, but likely left tackle, which is where he practiced last week, which was mm-hmm. eye opening. But if things, if the roster coming out of the bye doesn't look tweet, like if Christian Fulton is still in and he has a bad game in London, he's still in. If Andre Dillard and uh, NPF, if NPF is still riding the bench after the bye, 
then yes, we yeah. got a lot to talk about with this yeah. coaching. Yeah, and that's fair. Then, and for right now, that's fair. I feel like it's 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 I'm the same as where I have been. It's likely a playoff team, likely win losing the first round, but we're we're getting close to finding out what this team really is. I just don't know how long it's gonna, if it's that's going to be a good thing or a bad yeah. thing. Yep, I I tend to agree. I, I think I had him at eight and nine. I might have dropped it now to seven and ten, but that's really not all that different. So uh, we shall see, folks. We shall see. Sinkers Beverages, the Kingston Group, two great sponsors. Of course, we really appreciate them supporting us. So you guys should all go go support them. Uh, Sinkers Beverages, of course, sign up for the in crowd. Great selection, great staff. Uh, one of the best liquor stores in the city. Voted the best liquor store in the city last year so you can uber eat search the sinkers beverages they'll send the booze directly to your house of course the kingston group buildkg.com an award-winning an award-winning custom home and remodeling firm in town so make sure you go check that out zach what do you got at the uh, stack in the inbox and f-words this week uh, so uh today pr- your I, stuff today at basically stack in the inbox.com i wrote all about christian fulton went in depth in his struggles and what they need to do obviously put more molding on the field or maybe even try Valdor outside something different than Christian Fulton. Who's just not getting it. Um, I talked about the terrible run defense, talked about Ryan Tannehill, basically stuff that we talked about today, but a little bit more in depth in certain things. And, you know, I, I just kind of asked where Arden keys been, where's it, where's he been? Yeah. It's a couple games now. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, football and other F words, of course. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you later in the week. Otherwise, Thank you guys for hanging out with us. All you guys in the comments, we do appreciate it uh, always and every time. So please rate, review, subscribe. Check out the 440 Sports YouTube page. Give us a subscription there as well. Uh, we do appreciate your support and for listening. For Zach, I am Braden. We'll talk to you guys this later this week. Let's go.